It takes more than commuting two hours to and from the office in the freezing cold to support your colleague's presentation, only to find out that they are presenting remotely because, quote, it's foggy outside to be a great engineer. <laughs> this is Soft Skills Engineering episode 385. I'm your host, Dave Smith. I'm your host, Jameson Dance. Soft Skills Engineering is a weekly advice podcast for software developers who, honestly, let's admit, we've all become fair weather office attendees. I think the last time I went to the office was like three months ago. Seriously? Yeah, it's been a long time. I had a long period of sickness, and then I think I just settled into a groove of not going in. Yeah. So I, I need to settle out of the groove. Also, it's been a little foggy outside, let's be honest. It's 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 been a foggy couple of months, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. It takes like nothing now. Oh, working from home, you know. Yeah. Actually, it was school starting. That's what did it. In the summer, I was going, and then school started, and I started doing stuff to help kids get ready, and that was enough to... It doesn't actually prevent me, but it's the it's foggy outside of... Right. <laughs> of, of the home schedule <laughs> yeah exactly oh yeah well should i thank our patrons i i was hoping you would your hopes will be fulfilled thank you to nick Cantar, Braden canes john grant travis nick hathaway jonathan king ragnar webtow awesome and ten testing will angel ira chan monkey face emoji patreon.com we're hiring craig motlin the stochastic parrot owen shardle jemmy kim jenny kim cody sale if you would like to join this illustrious oh wait not yet Kenzie Dodds, Valentin at Datafold, Santa Hopar, thecomputersciencebook.com, Trash Panda, Never is Not Just a Crater on Mars, Flamingo Emoji, I Like Chicken, I Like Liver, Meow Mix, Meow Mix, Please Deliver, Full Stack Contractor, Looking for a Job, Corp to Corp, and TypeHero.dev. Thank you. Thank you, one and all. If you would like to join this group, you can go to softskills.audio and click Support Us on Patreon, where any amount will get you an invite to our Slack team, which is a powerful team. We need a, a mascot. Oh, yeah, for sure. We need a cheer. We need a we need to fill a stadium <laughs> and light fires with flares in the in the crowd and oh, yeah. all that like soccer match stuff. Shoot t-shirt cool. cannons into the audience. Yeah. Heckle the rival team. I don't the, know. The rival, rival slack team community. <laughs> yeah. Let's go pick a podcast so we can heckle. We can have like a pretend. Yeah, rival. Oh, we do need a rivalry. <laughs> we gotta stir up some beef. <laughs> all right, that's your job. We'll do a partnership the, with another podcast drum and some pit ourselves somewhere. against each other. <laughs> Yeah. Anyways, now that we've revealed our dastardly plan, be on the lookout for it. Yeah, Slack team is great. Smart people, wise words. And if you contribute enough, we shout you out every single week like we did to these people. That's right. This episode is sponsored by Compiler, an original podcast from Red Hat discussing tech topics big, small, and strange. More about Red Hat Compiler in just a few minutes. But first, our first question, which I will read. This is from an anonymous listener who says, Hello, thank you for your podcast. I definitely find the episodes to be helpful. Lately, I've been struggling with attention to detail. I just forget to do simple things like run pre-commit hooks before I put in a pull request or before merging or before merging a pull request. I went through a pretty bad layoff when my old company went bankrupt a few months back, and now I'm at a new role where I really like everyone I work with. The engineers expect checked-in code to pass tests and type checks and be generally high quality. How can I be better about attention to detail as a software engineer? How do you keep track of remembering all the little things that need to be done? Oh, yeah. There are a lot of little things in software development. There are a ton. And you want to make a good impression. You had a bad experience. You like this new place. They they expect good things. You want to do good things. It makes sense. I, I think we bring two different perspectives to this, Dave, because I 
I struggle with attention to detail. I I have a scatterbrain. It jumps all over the place. Mm-hmm. I drop things. I forget things. I'm lazy. <laughs> I don't know. I just go nuts generally. Okay. <laughs> and so I, I find I have to work really hard and, and be explicitly trying to be on top of things and, and build systems to help me or I just naturally devolve into chaos. And I think you are much more naturally organized or much more naturally detail oriented than I am. I don't know though. Well, psychologists say that I am high on the sociopath. No, wait, nope, nope, sorry, different. That wasn't it. <laughs> they say they say I'm high on orderliness, uh, which is kind of a need to have everything in order and organized and you know, we have meeting agendas when we start meetings and we have checklists and to-do lists and things that we follow. And I guess that probably I, I don't know, maybe this also correlates with a, a a strong desire to have attention to details. You know, I like mm. to see, I like to do all the little tasks. Like first I do my pre-commit hooks, then I push my PR, then, you know, and I, I don't know, I guess I just yeah. like thinking through that process. Sometimes I lay in bed at night going to sleep thinking about <laughs> the PR process. Oh, I just can't wait to push a PR and then wait for the reviews and then watch the CI test come back. And Oh, yeah. Man, will I squash and merge or just merge? I don't know. I'll have to think about that. Yeah. A fun detail to dive into. That's right. A fun detail to consider the ramifications. <laughs> yeah. See, I I want the good outcome. I want I want to know what's going on or to have good code or I don't know, whatever you get by paying attention to detail. Mm-hmm. But I I just I just bounce around a lot. And one of the positives is I find I develop a pretty broad knowledge wherever I'm working. I sort of just kind of I'm about to say this and it sounds so arrogant. But I feel like I sort of know everything after a while at places I work because okay. I, I just, I'm, I'm kind of just snuffling around everything all the time. But it means that sometimes I'm supposed to be deeply, rigidly following some important detailed list and I'm, I'm sort of like off playing with butterflies in the fields. <laughs> Thinking about the glorious future. Yeah, yeah. And then sometimes that comes in handy and sometimes... When it actually turns out we needed those berries gathered, not <laughs> the butterflies observed. <laughs> but I observed so many butterflies. <laughs> yeah, but check it out. What if the butterflies gather the berries for us? Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> that would the be so point, cool. <laughs> the point is, you mentioned a very specific case here, but I think this is a more generic... I'm assuming this is a more general problem. But for stuff like pre-commit hooks, there's tooling like push as much as you can to tools and systems and processes that do the detail thing for you or that encourage it be done so that you don't have to remember if you have to ever like for me at least if i have to ever remember to manually follow a bunch of steps i'm gonna forget some so i need a checklist or i need a script written to do it for me or i don't know 100 percent that's not just you, James. That's everybody. I mean, like even people like me who are high in orderliness, just because we like the details doesn't mean we're really good at remembering the 12 steps to get a PR merged and pushed to production. You know, and so yeah. I, I totally agree with you. I like to automate away all of the details, especially when it comes to processes, which is what I gather is the main source of problem here is, look, you should have tools that eliminate the steps for you and you should have tools that warn you when you've skipped a manual step that can't be automated. Yeah. 
And it is easier to think about this for technical processes because they lend themselves more to automation. But I will give you an example of another one. I can sometimes be comfortable with more chaos or more ambiguity than is helpful and healthy for the team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and to avoid that, when I'm on my game, I I have like... When we're going to have a meeting, I have a meeting template that features an agenda that makes me fill it out ahead of time. So I'm thinking ahead of time, like, what do I want the outcome from this to be? Instead of just kind of showing up and and flying by the seat of my pants, because I'm okay with that, but turns out not everyone is, and it's actually bad. So so my point is the processes, the, the automation can be... It can be like your email signature, or it can be... It can apply to more than than the code that you write, if that makes sense. Yes. How would an email signature do that? Help me understand. It would say at the bottom, hey, I just want to tell you the most embarrassing thing that's ever <laughs> happened to me in my life. And that would encourage you to carefully proofread the email to make sure that you didn't forget to delete the signature. Got and it. also that you... <laughs> nice. That's a good mechanism. That you made... Yeah, you're, you're kind of holding a gun to your own head. Yeah. And then you have to remember to put it down. Or like you could... Okay, I'm coming up with more ideas. Say right. you have a, a self-review you have to finish. Uh-huh. Write a really bad one for yourself that's mostly obscenities. Okay. And, and set it so it automatically <laughs> saves. So if you do not write your own review, it'll be just just four-letter words about yourself the whole time. <laughs> and that system of a big sword over your head yep. will help you pay attention to the details. Nice. Okay. I like that. So basically, threaten yourself with really uncomfortable, painful yeah. situations to force yourself to pay attention to the details. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I want to just share a couple of examples of of detail. I don't know what the right term here is, but basically QA on your own details gone wrong. Actually, one gone wrong, one gone right. So the first one that went wrong, my team has a, uh, we use GitHub, we use pull requests, and GitHub has a feature where you can have a pull request template. And what that means is that every time you create a a pull request, GitHub automatically populates the pull request description with some text that you can fill in. And it's very common to have like a checklist where the developer says, yes, I tested this. Yes, I ran in the unit test and they're passing. And yes, I remembered about this weird schema migration thing that we have to be careful of every time we push code, you know, yada, yada. And one of my teams has just a really beautiful template. It's got emojis all over it. It's got different fonts and (laughs) formatting. It's got actual checkboxes in the markdown. It looks really pretty, but literally no one ever fills it out. (laughs) <laughs> and i think to myself someone put a lot of work into this really beautiful aesthetically pleasing template and apparently they missed the mark because it literally no one ever no one ever fills it out so hmm. it can go wrong is what i'm saying when you try to compensate for how hard it is to follow your process with documentation that automatically gets presented in people's faces and then they mm-hmm. just ignore it yeah yeah, it is it's easier to enforce upon yourself than upon others certainly. Especially with the gun to the head thing. You get in a lot of trouble for yeah. that if you. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So this I have another example that's actually Yeah, yeah, I want to hear the good one. Yeah, so here's my other example of of something that went well. We have a fairly unusual code merging process, which I, I think I've mentioned on the show before. I did not like it when I first joined the company, and then I learned to love it, and now I really really enjoy it. It's it just it it, it has all the right 
pros and and all the right cons. It's just the right trade-offs. Yeah. But one of the real serious cons of our code merging system is that it is possible for one developer to completely clobber the changes of another developer without even realizing that it has happened. And so we built a little guardrail system that every time you try to push code, it will reject your pull request if you have committed some of the errors that allow you to clobber another developer's code. And I'm like, that's mm -hmm. great. So the, the, the happy path here is you just work through your code, you, you push your code, and then you never even worry about anything. You don't even worry about other developers. But once in a while, you know, like one out of every 10 times, the system will say, hey, sorry, you can't proceed because someone else actually pushed code in an overlapping time that, that just turns out that you're going to clobber their changes. And so it's like, ah, yes, for those kind of scenarios where most of the time it works and once in a while it's catastrophic, you, you definitely need to build these automated systems that cannot be bypassed to prevent yeah. yourself from doing it. And I call these guardrails. You know, like you don't, when you're driving down the road in your car and there's a big cement barricade or guardrail on the side, you never intend to hit it. But I have a friend who one time got into an icy patch of road and slid off the road and slammed into the guardrail. And he was so grateful because what that meant was he didn't slam into the oncoming traffic doing 70 miles an hour that would have killed him and, his, and the people in the other car too. So like, he's like, yeah, love the guardrail. I never plan to hit it, but I'm glad it's there. Yeah. Yeah. And especially for things like that, where the consequences are, are large, but it happens very occasionally. Mm -hmm. People get so lazy about checking every time. Yeah. It's like, that's why guards in fantasy m movies and games always not often get sliced by <laughs> that's people right. sneaking in. That's like, right. You can't, you can't just walk around perfectly alert all the time. Yeah. If you do something repetitive, you're going to get bored and sloppy and take shortcuts because most of the time that will help you get your thing done faster. That's right. And it's, it's actually good. It's actually a good thing. Yeah. It's really hard to weigh the potential negative impact of, of it maybe going wrong once. So Yeah. Make it so you don't have to. Mm -hmm. I like it. And then, so what do you do as a team member, maybe in this case, a pretty new team member, to get some of this stuff built? Well, this is where you have a superpower because you joined this team recently. You have fresh eyes. You haven't you haven't been the guard sitting in front of the the door for two years, you know, not where nothing ever goes wrong and falling asleep. Instead, you're looking at this going, oh my goodness, this guard's going to fall asleep. <laughs> we got to do yeah. something about this. And so you've got these fresh eyes that the team might not have. So it's up to you to raise these ideas to the team. And usually it, these go over really well if you'll bring a little proof of concept. Like, hey, I built this little thing. I've been using it myself to help me remember. Um, I recommend we roll it out for the whole team. How can we do this? Yeah. Also, if it's if it requires a change to the existing workflow, that can make it a little harder. If it's sort of mm -hmm. additive or or I don't know, if it's a minor or patch version change to use Semver lingo, if it's not mm -hmm. a breaking change, that's a lot easier. Yeah. If it's opt-in. If if a lazy developer will automatically do the right thing with the change that you're proposing, then it is more likely to be adopted. Yeah. Good way to put it. All right. Have we answered the question? I think so. Good luck. And use that superpower. Writing things down. That's the last thing I'll say. How ah. do you keep track of remembering all the little things that need to be done? I write them down. Oh, all yes. Of them. Let's <laughs> forever. <laughs> let's dwell on that for a moment because I really do believe that a lot of developers struggle 
with coming to terms with the reality that you actually need a proper to-do list. And your email inbox is probably not enough. Your Slack mentions are definitely not enough. You probably need yeah. somewhere that you write these things down and check them off because otherwise they will you will forget them. And, and sometimes that's a repetitive process where you're like, okay, for every commit I push, I need to do these four things. And I'm just going to re- reference that list. But sometimes it's literally just a to-do list where someone asks you to do something or you notice a problem that needs to be dealt with. Write these things down. I, I just far too many developers do not keep a to-do list or they let it grow so huge that you know they have no choice but to declare bankruptcy on their to-do list yeah have you heard about the podcast from red hat called compiler yes red hat compiler just launched a new series called reroll where they describe different jobs in a software company starting with the cto then architect and more they've not mentioned the office prankster yet which is a, a miss on their part it's an essential role at any startup <laughs> that's true they also have a series on software technology stacks describing databases programming languages front-end frameworks back-end technologies and even test frameworks it's a pretty cool series Compiler comes to you from the makers of Command Line Heroes and is hosted by Angela Andrews and Brent Simino. Listen to Compiler on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll also include a link to this show in our show notes. All right. Dave, will you read our next question? Yes, I will. This comes from a listener named Marshall, who says, Hey guys, I'm around eight years into my career as a software engineer. I've been at a few companies and have been promoted to senior during my time. I like my my job and I've done relatively well in my career, but... I am burned out. While I think this is the best industry for me, I just like to walk away from the corporate nine to five for who knows how long. Fortunately, I'm in a position where my partner is able to do to be the breadwinner for the foreseeable future. We've talked about it and she's okay with it as long as I don't sit on the couch doing nothing all day. <laughs> <laughs> I figured I'd take this time to watch the kids, learn some skills around the house, get involved in the community, etc. I don't know if I'd ever want to get back into the software saddle or if I do, perhaps I would return in a different role or capacity. But my question is, if I leave this industry for several years and decide to come back, what would the landscape be like for me? Am I making a mistake by deciding to hang it up at such a young age? Hmm. Hmm. Someone's got a golden ticket. Yeah. As long as I don't sit on the couch doing nothing all day. I'd like to take a sabbatical to play video games, please. (laughs) I'm not sitting on the couch doing nothing. Yeah, no, I'm sitting on the couch grinding in Halo. <laughs> well, congratulations on on having that opportunity. I mean, it's pretty rad. Pretty rad that you're in a relationship that lets you do that, that works out that way. I'm sure it's also tempting to say, well, what if we both work and we have twice as much money and then we can have even more stuff, which is a, a common trap to fall into. So it seems yeah. like you're maybe avoiding that. I mean, I know some people have to to, to survive, but... Sure. Not this person, though. Not not Marshall. Yeah. No. Not Marshall. Marshall's on the Marshall plan. Was that after World War II? Yeah. (laughs) A little bit of a different plan, actually. (laughs) Yeah, that was like rebuilding conquered nations, I think. Yes. Something like that. Which is a lot of work. That's not sitting around on the couch doing (laughs) nothing all day. Exactly. Different plan entirely. Yeah. I I don't know. I I would be very tempted to take this, this option myself. And... I'll just say a little bit about that. I actually worked with someone who was well into his 60s when I worked with him as an individual contributor software engineer. And I, you know, he told me, he's like, yeah, a lot of people wonder why I'm still working. And he said, the reason I'm still working is that is because when I was younger and I had young to teenage children, 
I decided to go part-time or not work at all for extended years. And this allowed huh. me the the freedom to be really close with my children and to always be at their swim meets. In, in, in this person's particular case, there were children who were into swimming. And I'm so grateful I did it, but it set me behind in retirement a little more so than my peers. So now I'm not retired. Yeah. And I actually thought, that's actually pretty cool. He decided to take the time when his kids were young and say, you know what, I'm going to focus on my kids because they are going to grow up. And when they grow up, they're not going to need your attention from nine to five as much as when they're little. And so maybe that's the time when you should be more focusing on your career. But it does mean that you're going to be older when you're working than most of the people that you work with. Now, in this case, I don't think that's even the situation. Like this person saying, basically, I don't even have to make that trade-off. I can quit now and we're essentially not behind. And my wife will just carry us financially for the rest of our lives, I guess. Great. I'm probably taking that option if if it works out well. So the the question is, can I come back to the industry? Yeah. So I'm going to give the standard disclaimer of I'm not speaking from personal experience here. I've I've got my own perspective and viewpoint on the world from from my background and upbringing and stuff. But I have heard that it can be harder for women that have children to get back into the workforce because, especially if they take time off to to kind of be a full time parent at home, there's sort of like a I don't know a a penalty they have to pay not not deliberately or enforced or anything but it it can be harder to get back. And I don't know Marshall's gender. I don't know if they're a man or a woman. They don't specify, but it is possible that it would be harder if you do this if you're a woman than if you're a man just because of like societal expectations mm-hmm. where it's it's like this quirky fun thing to be a stay-at-home dad and it's in some places like the I don't know a lower status thing to be a, a stay-at-home mom not always certainly but I'm kind of meandering towards a point which is that it might depend on your gender which is a sucky sucky sentence to say but I think True. Not anything you can do something about directly, though. So I don't know if you that that doesn't give you an action to take. I just want to acknowledge that it depends, and some people might have an easier or harder time on this. Yeah. So I mean, that's a that is a direct answer to the question. Like, yeah, it might be easy or it might be hard depending on the context that you're operating in. And yeah, and I'll say I've seen people do this, and if it's just for like one, two, three years, I don't think it's usually a major problem. And frankly, when I see people who are applying for jobs that I'm hiring for and they say they've been out of the professional world for a few years, I actually, I usually feel nothing but jealousy. <laughs> like, yes, yeah. wish I could do that. You know, that sounds awesome. Yeah. I mean, there's a chance you'd have to take a lower level position. Mm-hmm, to kind of rebuild a little. Coming back. Yeah. Yeah. You might not be kind of stepping back in the same rung or climbing up the ladder again. Yeah. But I don't I don't think you would be just rejected for having a gap. I mean it's like it's like anything on a resume that you have to have a story for it, an exactly. explanation why. In this case, the explanation will make everyone jealous of you. <laughs> yes, exactly. And that kind of story I think works really well. But if your story is, yeah, you know, I just I got burned out because I'm actually a bad software engineer. My company wasn't really happy with me, so they basically said you could leave or not. I, nah, I just never really got into it. I didn't really want to do it. That's a terrible narrative. And if you show up with that kind of narrative, you are going to struggle to get a new job. But if you show up and say, I 
love software engineering. It's the thing that I'm best at. But I also discovered that being at home with my kids was also an incredible opportunity. And I wanted to give that a shot for a little while. And now that I've done that, I actually I'm ready to come back. And I think that in your narrative, you're going to need to also spin. What's the right way here to say this? You're going to need to put at ease any concern that you're just going to go and do this again. You know, like you might say something like, well, you you don't want the interviewer to have the narrative in their mind of, well, in three months, you're going to realize, actually, this sucks. I'm out of here. You know, because when a company invests in, in a person to hire, they really don't like it when they quit after just a few months. And so, but th- yeah. that's what, that's one thing I would worry about is like, oh, are you going to, are you going to think grass is greener on the other side of this fence and then find out that actually it sucks over here. I'm going to go back home. Yeah. Wait, if you don't have to work to live, why would you stay here? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But I know, I know people who have retired, straight up retired because they made a ton of money early on in their career. And then after a few years, they're like, this sucks. I want to work again. I like working on a team. I like supporting a company and and building something for others that's valuable. And so that's another totally, totally believable narrative and one that you'll hear often. Yeah. So I agree with you, James. And I think the story you tell is going to be the the most important factor in your success at getting back into the job market. I think the harder thing will be keeping up your skills and network and having kids i haven't stayed home full time to take care of them long term but i've i've done it enough that i know how all consuming it can be especially if your children are young yeah it doesn't leave a lot of time to ponder the nature of abstractions or or the latest <laughs> .net framework changes or yeah. i don't know like so it, it it you you might have to do kind of a little boot camp get back up yeah. to speed if you're not if you're not kind of actively dinking around with software while you're still doing this and maybe you are maybe you're doing doing enough to keep sharp but and maybe that's a good way to hedge your bet is do some side projects always have a little thing on the side that you're working on yeah the robot babysitter <laughs> you ask am i making a mistake by deciding to hang it up at such a young age and I think the real answer is there's no way of knowing if you will regret it terribly because you can't predict the future. Mm-hmm. But if I just distill the general life advice of the wisdom of of the ages, it does feel like, hey, maybe don't work so much and spend more time with your family and the community. It sounds like a thing unlikely to cause a ton of regret, you know? Yeah, I agree. In fact, I think you would regret not doing it more than you would regret doing it because yeah. you can always go back. There's always more shareholder value to create. (laughs) There are not always more diapers to change. That's true. The diapers run out. The shareholder value does not. It's a finite (laughs) resource. Yeah. The shareholder's demand for value does not run out. Sometimes the value does run out. And then, I don't know, you need a diaper because you're sad and you pee in your pants, I guess, is where (laughs) I'm going with this. Okay, let's get out of here. Have we answered the question? I think so. Good luck. I'm I'm still jealous of this whole situation. I think it sounds awesome. Am I jealous? I think I would like to be jealous. Now I'm pondering, do I care too much about work? Maybe this is going to cause an existential crisis in me. That's how you know it's a good question. Mm-hmm. Perfect. All right. If you would like to 
fill Dave with jealousy, <laughs> cause me to go on a journey in my own mind, <laughs> or get your questions answered. <laughs> then you can go to softskills.audio and click ask a question. We will put it on the list, and then we will read the list, and when we get to your question, at some point, we will answer it. That's right. We're, we're cranking through them. We will say things about it. And I guess you'll have to decide if we answered it or not. Yeah. I have 650 answered questions on our list. And there's probably some we're missing here. So we're getting to it. We'll get there. We will get to yours someday. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. We will catch you next week. 